I'm a canceled man in some corners of the internet. I'm a banned man in the state of New Jersey. The governor literally said I was unwelcome. Many days I'm a marked man in Congress, a wanted man by the deep state. But every day I'm a Florida man and it is good to be home. Florida's like, Florida's like an amazing woman. Adventurous, beautiful, mostly sunny, sometimes a little crazy, and always here to encourage and support success. All right. Happy, happy Monday, everybody. Uh, happy belated Easter. We are Chapo Trap Palace. It's me, Matt and Felix, and we are back at it. Uh, in just a little bit, we'll be talking to journalist Ken Klippenstein about uh, leaked internal documents from the Amazon company and uh, their corporate culture as it regards their abhorrent labor practices. But before then, it's the story that uh, all of you little pigs were oinking for, the Maddie Gates saga. Oh man, we've been we've been sitting on this one, you know, because uh, Thomas Frank was just spitting so, so much good stuff that we decided to to hold the Maddie Gates saga yeah. for for we, Monday's episode because man, oh man, there is a lot of stuff to talk about here. Yeah, so you know, everyone was I think everyone loved the Thomas Frank episode. You know, you guys did a great job. It was everyone loved it. But this is special. Like, we really have to prepare for this. And this is where you come to for the fully unauthorized, exhaustive, unabridged defense of Matt Gates's <laughs> behavior from the left. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with this one. I mean, obviously, this, this all started when the New York Times um, wrote an article about allegations that he has, a, has been engaging in a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old girl that he has been paying to travel across state lines, which is technically human trafficking. But uh, I don't know, just the, uh, the, the thing I can't get out of my head about this is, uh, Felix, something you said to me yesterday about Matt Gates as a politician and a personality that... 70% like deserves to be executed, but 30% deserves to be president of the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Because like he vast majority like should go to prison and be beheaded. But he's also like so many people in America are just like him. Like this, I'm pretty sure people know like the broad strokes of the case. Like I was, so you know the thing about blackmailing, right? Like the, the, the Iran, the Iran. Okay, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get into the many, many strains yeah. of the. Oh, but this, he's this case like, here. yeah, he's exactly as like stupid and disgusting and weird and gross as like only a type of American can be. Not to say that we're the grossest people, but a French person would be disgusting in a different way. There's something about like a. I mean, we can talk about the Harry Potter-based sex game that he played yeah. with fellow Florida State representatives. We can talk about the Bitcoin mining rig that burned down a public building because of the Seminole <laughs> County tax collector, who's also a child pornographer and human trafficker, who's the, invest the, the investigation into him is what uncovered Matt Gates's relationship with this teenager in the first place. We could talk about uh, the fact that he grew up in the house that the Truman Show was filmed in. Uh, there's, uh, it just, it goes on and on with this guy, but I mean, like is never before in political scandals is, has there been one that's been l like less surprising? Uh, yeah, no, that guy's had a, I mean, he literally looks like fucking quagmire from <laughs> family guy. 
Like, like he is a, a human version of that. The cartoon known for being a pervert. Yeah. And also he has like 70,000 tweets from like a year or two ago where it's like, I think it's cool to fuck high schoolers. Like, <laughs> like almost like directly that, like almost like, it was uh there are just so it many was the quote tweeted it was somewhere when i i was like just briefly reading on him the other day and everyone knows he voted against the human trafficking bill but he also uh in 2015 when he was in the florida house was the only vote against like making revenge porn illegal <laughs> <laughs> Jesus no the, what everyone saw was like it was that the tweet was like you can be sexy at any age which first of all a uh, no not true no <laughs> And, uh, untrue. and then he quote retweeted me saying, uh, this should be the official motto of the state of Florida. I mean, that's the other, that's the other thing to this is, is that Florida as a state and as a state of mind figures very largely in this story as well. Cause I mean, I, it's hard to imagine like Matt Gates could not have come out of any place other than Florida. I think there's like equivalence to Matt Gates, like in every state who would do something as stupid and awful and just be as emblematic of their state, but it's in different ways. But he is like, he should at least be a senator now. Like he's for Florida. Like if like you're going to have senators from that place, it should be like, he's earned it. Yeah. I mean, one of their senators now is a guy who was the largest ever Medicare fraudster. That makes yeah. sense. As would Gates. Yeah, no, that's, that's who it is. Like a completely hairless, like demon creature. And then, <laughs> the dumbest man alive and then also oh just another thing um he just got engaged to a woman named ginger lucky <laughs> and where has nestor been in all of this where is where i is would nestor? like to hear from nestor because i mean i think i mean like obviously like uh we all thought when the nestor story broke like it was you know that was going in a different direction in terms of you know human trafficking and his um predilections shall we say but now i think it's sort of like the Nestor thing is, I think he adopted like a cool nineteen-year-old so that he could hook, he could hook up with high school girls. I, I think it was like his way for him to meet young women, or, or yeah, underage women. That's that's the thing. It's sort of like the opposite of the paddock thing. I was thinking about the paddock thing with uh, you know, because we just did that Truanon where we researched paddock endlessly and all the connections. And the thing, the analogy Braves made was. That it's like a cup with one inch of every type of soda, where it's just there's all these hints at something, but not enough for you to fully dive in. Like there's the defense contracting thing, there's the multiple shooters thing, but it's not enough for you to fully go in one direction. So it drives you insane no matter how much you know. But this is the opposite. This is like eight cups of full cups of soda. This go you can go so far in every direction with it with this, and it's all there. He's doing all of it. <laughs> Well, I, I think the, I think the place to begin is what really what really kicked this off as as just a just an unbelievable news spectacle is Matt Gates's appearance on Tucker Carlson's show the other week, and I just want to go through a couple clips of what might be the greatest TV news interview of all time. So let, let's 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 cue up that first uh, Tucker Carlson Matt Gates uh, clip. Congressman, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Um, so this is obviously a serious allegation. Tell us what the truth is from your perspective. It is a horrible allegation and it is a lie. The New York Times is running a story that I have traveled with a 17-year-old woman and that is verifiably false. People can look at my travel records and see that that is not the case. 
What is happening is an extortion of me and my family involving a former Department of Justice official. On March 16th, my father got a text message demanding a meeting wherein a person demanded $25 million in exchange for making horrible sex trafficking allegations against me go away. Our family was so troubled by that, we went to the local FBI. And the FBI and the Department of Justice were so concerned about this attempted extortion of a member of Congress that they asked my dad to wear a wire, which he did (laughs) with the former Department of Justice official. Okay, can I say what I think happened? Go for it. So the guy was like, "Um, you have to give me $25 million so like we can pardon this guy. We can get this guy out of Iran. And then if you do it, we'll get it so Biden – pardons you for having sex with a 17 year old but what i think happened is the guy was like told him all this and gates was like oh my god i'm so behind i need to sleep with the 17 year old to, <laughs> yeah. get, to get this rolling yeah, yeah and then no, he like, did it and then he was like all right now i'm being extorted <laughs> so yeah so like okay so some background on on the uh, extortion plot that he's talking about here it says um uh, Matt Gates is from the Washington Post here. Matt Gates, a Florida Republican known for his fierce allegiance to former President Donald Trump, had been under Justice Department investigation for months for a possible sex crime when two men approached his father with a proposal. The men had learned of the investigation, they wrote to Don Gates, and wanted to offer an opportunity to help his son. He could give a huge sum of money to fund their effort to locate Robert A. Levinson, the longest held American hostage in Iran, whose family had said that they were told he is dead. If the operation were a success, he would win public favor and help alleviate Matt Gates's legal woes. The men who approached Don Gates, people familiar with the matter said, had no apparent connection to the sex crime investigations of his son other than having somehow learned about it before it was publicly reported. But when news of law enforcement's interest in Gates surfaced, the congressman asserted that the allegation was rooted in an ex- extortion effort against my family for $25 million. So, yeah, I, I think, Felix, so these guys, these guys come to him and they're like, listen, you help us, <laughs> you help us rescue a dead man from Iran <laughs> and we won't um, blow the whistle on you having sex with a uh, 17-year-old girl. And then Matt Gates was just like, you fool. Do you honestly think I would uh, let you in on my master plan without having already done it? I had sex with a 17-year-old girl 30 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How can you be extorting me for a crime I've already committed? <laughs> um, and I also yeah. like that, the detail about like somehow they had uh, knowledge of this investigation before it was made public. I mean, I think they had, acknowledge- they had knowledge of it just because they're from Florida and no Matt Gates. No, yeah. I-, I-, I don't think like it took any special insight to divine what was going on. Um, I also really like in in the, right, right off the get go from that Tucker interview, where like you know you cannot pick a a softer interview from Matt Gates than Tucker Carlson, who's like you know like setting him up to be like oh like you know how how is how is the liberal media persecuting you this time, Matt? And uh, his answer to the question was like, <laughs> let's just say very legally worded, in that he's just like I have never traveled anywhere with a seventeen year old. You can check my travel schedule, but you know he didn't say I have never had sex with a seventeen year old. Or had been in a sexual relationship with someone underage in an illegal. <laughs> I've never been in an illegal sex. And also, isn't isn't the the case that he was paying her to travel and that he wasn't traveling with her? He was just paying for her to come to uh, where he was to have sex with her. Yeah, it was like a tee ball, and he went to swing, and his pants fell down, and the ball like went up his urethra somehow. <laughs> oh man. 
And then, like, just the, the the Iran hostage thing is such a funny. And then, and then his dad wearing a wire. It's like uh, Felix, you also say, like this is just like the the best kind of conspiracy, criminal or otherwise, is one in which every single person involved has like seventy IQ. I mean, this is what a lot of history is. Just the dumbest person from five different families working together to do. I don't even think they know what they're doing. It's just like why does. You know why does why does an ant build a little hill out of dirt? Why why is why is that bee flying around pollinating the flowers? They don't really know. They don't have consciousness, and that's everyone in this story. They have no idea why they're doing any of this. I also love the idea that, like, according to this extortion plot, if he had helped free this guy who's apparently dead, then Joe Biden would pardon him for sex crimes. Like that doesn't seem like a, a thing that would happen. I think it. Like I could. If you brought Joe Biden a corpse <laughs> and he's like, ah, I've been looking for this <laughs> and uh, you're no longer a pedophile. I wonder what cue up that cue up that second Tucker clip because it gets better. And I believe we are in an era of our politics now, Tucker, where people are smeared to try to take them out of the conversation. I'm not the only person on screen right now who's been falsely accused of a terrible <laughs> sex act. You were accused of something that you did not do, and so Nailed you it. know what this feels like. You know the pain it can bring to your family, and you know how it, it just puts people on defense when you're accused of something so salacious and awful. But it did not happen. It is not true. All right. So just 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 absolutely stitching up Tucker Carlson, referring to some something that happened. I I had never heard of this. This was like years ago, and it was like uh like one of his mentally ill viewers believed that they had a sexual relationship and then accused him of impropriety in it. But like you know, uh, let's just say like that those allegations were slightly less founded than the ones being made against Matt Gates. But like I just love Tucker the look. First of all, Tucker Carlson always has like an interview face where he looks like a golden retriever. Like a, like like the old retriever where you're like holding a treat above its nose and he's waiting for it to drop or something. Um, That's how like, he shows you that he's paying attention. Yeah, but like he, he just like he like he got extra sort of like his his mouth like his little lips and and eyes got even more pursed as soon as Matt Gates was just like, listen, I'm not the only one on screen here, and the other guy on screen being you, Tucker Carlson, who's been <laughs> accused of sexual sex crimes against children. Maybe he was talking about like the news ticker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, someone falsely accused the news ticker of sexual harassment at his job. He was harassing the Fox logo. I, I totally uh, condemn the uh, accusations against Cletus, the dancing robot. <laughs> it could be like maybe like he did like, he, yeah, he didn't mean Tucker because like Matt Gates just like superimposes cartoon characters in the background of everyone he's talking to. Gr- like Grimace was there. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm going on Grimace and Tucker. That show everyone knows. <laughs> All right, let's see. Let's see the next uh, Tucker clip. You know, again, I, I, I really saw this as a deeply troubling challenge for my family on March 16th when people were, you know, talking about a, a minor and that there were pictures of me with child prostitutes. What's up? Uh, that's obviously false. There were, you know, <laughs> no one pictures even, no that one mentioned that, happened. dude. Um, no one mentioned really on that. March 16th was when this got going uh, from the extortion standpoint. <laughs> from the extortion standpoint but like yeah that's, i mean that see that's a, that's a, you you think that's bad but that is an alpha move you throw more accusations out there to confuse people it's it's like squid ink it's it's actually it's it's advanced 
Yeah, and, you know, no, no one had. There is nothing about the pictures or anything. And he's like, that the guy in the video doesn't even really look like me. <laughs> we have the same tattoo and weird jaw, but it's actually not even me, which is what's so crazy about this thing. Oh, yeah, I mean, he is on some real yellow king shit. And like to the extent that like, OK, um, what are we to make of these allegations against someone like Matt Gates? Well, I mean, why don't we uh, view them in light of the like numerate, like the, the lengthy reporting that's been done on the fact that he has as a legislature, as a, as a legislator in Florida and now in Congress, um, apparently shares photos of naked women that um, he has on his phone with fellow um, congressmen and representatives. He's, he's the kind of guy that likes doing that. And uh, in, in the best detail of this story is apparently in, in, in the Florida state government, him and uh, a bunch of his friends played what was reportedly a Harry Potter themed sex game with each other. And by that, I mean that they like they they it was like one of the, this like stupid guy thing where like you score like based on like the, the number of women you have sex with or like the circumstances in which you have sex with them. And uh, it was like you got points. Uh, one of the one of the point one of the like the. Uh, the, the rating systems for like how many points you would accrue is was waking up in a sorority like what like fucking Ted Bundy what? or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say the funniest outcome like it would not be like if this is all true. The funniest outcome would be if like he's actually right and he is being framed and it's like he just did the shittiest job ever. <laughs> just, like this is how he responded to it. He's just got a guy who's guilty of so much stuff that, like, he can't yeah. help but look guilty, like, all the fucking time. Yeah. And then, okay, so, like, it was it was a, a Harry Potter-based sex game that was just based on Quidditch. And, like, this is the worst part about it, because this is, like, guys who think they're awesome. These guys are, like, thinking, like, oh, like, you know, this is the pu- this is the pussy getting posse. You know, we, oh, we're the coolest guys ever. And, then, and these are all guys in their 30s. In their fucking 30s. And if you're, like, if, if your friends are still impressed by you having sex in your 30s, it's like it's because none of you have ever had sex before. If you're like if you're high fiving your friends, you're like, guess you got laid last night I, on my thirty eighth birthday, dude. Woo! <laughs> and then that's so why they went into politics. Yeah, that kind of is like the federal House of Representatives is for people who couldn't have a job anywhere else. The state house is for people who couldn't have sex anywhere else. <laughs> yes, like even less functional. Yeah. Um. But a, a feature of the Harry Potter it was it was based on Quidditch. Like that's how fucking lame these guys are. Like that, that just in addition to being criminals, this is how fucking lame they are. It was it was it was it was, it was based on Quidditch because apparently uh, there there was one woman who was a, a married uh, a fellow politician in Florida, and it, it wasn't named. She wasn't named in any of the uh, reporting. Thank God. But apparently, if you had sex with her, she was the quote snitch. Which means that it would like automatically win the game, no matter how many points anyone else had accrued for themselves. If you betted this one woman, um, then you won the game. So I mean, like th- this is the mentality here. And I okay, like let's let's, let's an- another el- another element of the Matt Gates story is that that this this allegation about him and this seventeen year old girl only came to light because of another ongoing investigation into this guy Joel Greenberg, who, like I said, was a he, he was like some sort of tax collector or tax sort of tax official tax collector from Seminole County, Florida, with close ties to Matt Gates. Um, just a just a, a bit from this story here this is from Gizmodo. Uh, during a 2020 audit of his spending during his time as Seminole County's tax collector, investigators found that Greenberg had prepaid sixty five thousand eight hundred and sixty dollars to an entity called Government Blockchain Systems, LLC, which his office was the sole member of. <laughs> 
<laughs> when questioned is, about, <laughs> oh, I, I have to say, you were talking about conspiracy of seventy IQ people. This guy was like, "Oh, the government can't prosecute me for child porn if I call my company the government." It's <laughs> <laughs> part of it. Um, when they have to hire me, and then I make double the money. Um, when questioned about why such an LLC existed in the first place, Greenberg told auditors that he had been creating a new method for his office to, quote, accept cryptocurrency as payments. Yeah, so cryptocurrency as payments. So, like, yeah, you, you heard that rightly. He was trying to figure out a way that you could pay your taxes in Florida in Bitcoin. and like, So that you could go from having paid, like, X amount of uh, taxes, and then, like, two weeks later, you paid twice as much in taxes? That sounds great. Wonderful idea. Florida prosecutors are apparently not buying those claims about a new payment system. And on Wednesday, filed a second superseding indictment against Greenberg for embezzling $400,000 to purchase cryptocurrency for himself, wire fraud, and bribery. In addition to his first indictment, which included charges of harassment and stalking a political opponent, and his first superseding incident, which included one charge of human trafficking, several charges of aggravated, aggravated identity theft, and misuse of driver's license info, uh, Greenberg is now facing a total of 33 charges. Um, Another interesting uh, thing to the, the uh, blockchain LLC is that um, he built with, with this money a Bitcoin mining rig that overheated and burned down a government building or caused fire damage to a government building. And I mean, by all accounts, he was using this Bitcoin shit for uh, child pornography and human trafficking. What, wait a minute. Bitcoin <laughs> used for child pornography? That doesn't sound right. Yeah, that's that, The other like funny thing about paying your taxes in Bitcoin is like, Taxes, that's the – if you hide your identity in anything, that's it. You want to be totally anonymous when paying your taxes. <laughs> you don't want the government You don't want the know. government to know that you're the one paying those taxes. Yeah. <laughs> so they keep asking you for them. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, all right. Uh, let's, uh, one, more, one more Tucker clip, I think. Again, I only know what I've read in the New York Times. Uh, I can say that actually you and I went to dinner uh, about two years ago. Your wife was there, and I brought a friend of mine. You'll remember her. And she was actually <laughs> threatened by the FBI, told that if she wouldn't cop to the fact that somehow I was involved in some pay-for-play scheme, uh, that she could face trouble. And so uh, I do believe that there are people at the Department of Justice who are trying to smear me, uh, you know, providing for flights uh, and hotel rooms for people that you're dating who are of legal age is not a crime. Uh, and I'm just troubled that the lack of any sort of legitimate uh, investigation into me would then permute, would then convert into this extortion attempt. I, I, I don't remember the, the woman you're speaking of or the context at all. Honestly, but I, uh... Oh, my God. He's just trying to fucking... He's just trying to get. He's trying to get some co-defendants in this yeah. trial here. So, you know Tucker, we fucked the same girl. Remember? <laughs> remember, we were both wearing those goat masks. It was in that uh, that chapel underneath the, the the Capitol building. Tucker, there's a young man that we both know. His name is Amidala, and he's a great one. And remember, we brought that sixth grader to him, <laughs> and he consumed it and birthed another great one. Do you remember that, Tucker? Tucker, you're at the blood ceremony. Moloch actually called me about this, about what the FBI is doing to me. Uh, Chris, what was the thing about um, Matt Gates's father being involved in some horrible tragedy or like a causing one? Okay, yeah. Um, 
Gates's grandfather, Stanley Jerome Jerry Gates, was the mayor of Rugby, North Dakota, and a candidate for lieutenant governor in North Dakota at the 1964 North Dakota Republican State Party convention. And he apparently like died of a heart attack during a speech. He's from a my my family's been here a long time. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. No, it just. It, that's why Gates should be president. Like grandfather dies of a speech during a convention. Uh, dad is like, we're leaving this place. There's a bad energy. We're going to move into the Truman show house. <laughs> and then the son is who he is. And that's like, you know, should serve life in prison while also being like a representative figure, like in a, not Royal family, but like mascot. Like if you come from another country to, to, not just Florida's fourth house district, but like pretty much any of it. It's like you get to meet him and like take pictures of with him. And then he has to go back to his cell and we have to end the bloodline. Some, some more, some more highlights here from uh, Joel Greenberg. I mean, he was a, uh, a, a much beloved uh, subject of uh, central Florida uh, journalism. This is just like a collection of headlines about Joel Greenberg that uh, someone collected. Uh, Seminole County tax collector accused of impersonating police officer. Tax collector indicted, charged with stalking. Uh, feds, Greenberg regularly stole IDs. <laughs> <laughs> Seminole tax collector Joel Greenberg accused of soliciting hacker to attack county computers. Seminole tax collector Joel Greenberg asked for professional courtesy after ticketed for speeding. Uh, Joel Greenberg resigns as Seminole County tax collector. <laughs> I he was just getting started. That's bullshit. He was forced out. Greenberg pleads not guilty to trafficking. Accused of state <laughs> accused of using state beta database to look up minors. Oh my god. Oh Jesus Christ. I mean, it's just like it's just fucking like just like it's this guy Cuomo. It's just like everyone who's involved in politics who's a man is like a fucking absolute just like sex freak. These guys should be all be chemically castrated if they want to seek office. Well, why yeah. would you run for office now? Like at this point, you know, if you have a brain of any kind, not even a significantly good one, that you're not going to do anything. Like all of the traditional reasons to run for office don't exist. The only reason is to do not even power fantasies because there's no power there. Just like sick performance of power. You're just a little pervert. You have to be. Yeah, I think like for someone like Joe Biden, you get elected because, you know, you get to do more handshakes like his favorite part of the whole deal. Yeah, he just loves going to pancake breakfasts. Yeah, pancake breakfasts. Uh, you know, you got to take the syrup home sometimes. Yeah, he loves people like having to listen to him. But yeah, for someone like Matt Gates, that's what this is. I mean, I, I I feel like we've only like scratched the surface of like this guy's life and his life in crimes. But uh, what, what do you think? Is there anything more here? I'm, I'm looking forward to him being uh, exonerated. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's the thing to say is that it must be uh, remembered that he will not go anywhere unless he is actually charged and indicted in some way. Uh, he's not going anywhere. He will probably st- he'll be there in in that office until uh, he wants to leave until he yeah. gets killed in some sort of like hot air ballooning uh, with a crocodile accident. He'll be the first person over the age of like three to die by jamming a fork into an electrical outlet. <laughs> Or one of those like jet ski accidents where you fall off the back and the jet blows your fucking asshole out of your mouth or something. Oh yeah, no. However, Matt Gates dies, he's going to be vaporized. Oh, one hundred percent. There's like no no casket at that funeral. Like he's just going to be a fucking pile of red mist. That's not a guy who has like 
you know, dies alone in his bed or surrounded by his family or, like, you know, gets shot or something. It's, like, that's a guy who's, like, driving an experimental boat. Yeah, no, he's going to, uh, he's going to, like, be doing a TikTok dance into the back of a fan boat and just get (laughs) dissolved. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That grandfather who had the heart attack at the convention, that's, like, the last member of the Gates family who had, like, an open casket funeral. It was nothing but ignominious deaths after that. I, I just like I guess the last thing I want to say is like the other the other interesting uh, angle to this is the sort of the uh, uh, like his fellow Trumpists and sort of like uh, like the neo Nazi fucking like the online people uh, have have sort of like taken up his case as just like uh, basically defending him by saying even if the allegations are true he did nothing wrong because there's nothing wrong with like a 38 year old man having a sexual relationship with a 17 year old because like that's what they did in Europe in the in the grand old times of western civilization and then like what it, what it was, it was that that fucking like that, that little neo-nazi rat was just like um, I'm, I'm concerned with the real child abuse that's being done by elites and I was just like how old do you think Epstein's victims were like what the fuck like what are, like what are you talking about here are they just keep talking about how like um you know like uh it's it's a technically not a crime and it's just like yeah like if he was 23 at the time like there are there are sliding scales for like the the age difference here sort of matters in terms of the law then the age of consent in Florida is 18 but he was in his 30s apparently when this was happening it's just like a good percentage of like the online right is obsessed with the idea of like like uh, like sort of ferreting out degeneracy in other people's and uh, other people and i think to them degeneracy means having a normal sexual relationship with an adult that's not like paid for in any way i think that that to them is like the most sickening thing that they can imagine like that that's what that is what true perversion is like the like guys who have you know uh like child anime avatars who are fucking obsessed with the idea that like gay people are 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 some sort of like irredeemable perverts or something like that well yeah a relationship that's that's that has like an equivalent power uh dynamic is no good it's all yeah it's the yellow king they need to be like sexual conquerors because just like their their ancestors i mean that is the weird thing with all of this is like this is exactly like you know, this is exactly like a Democrat would do this. Like, they all do the same thing, just with, like, different details. Like, with Gates, it involves, like, some fucking Bitcoin moron. But with, like, a Democrat, it involves, like, a guy who makes fucking bullshit apps that don't work. It just, they they all do the same thing and want the same thing. It just involves, like, different different social components. Because, yeah, no, there's no, these are all essentially the same people. All right, uh, let's leave it there and get uh, Ken Klippenstein on it. All right. Okay. Uh, uh, joining us now in what is uh, somehow his very first appearance on Joppo, it is, of course, investigative journalist Ken Klippenstein of The Intercept. Ken, what's up? Hey, good to be with you guys. All right, so Ken, you've obviously done... Uh, you just you know you're you're killing it on the reporting tip but like recently this past week you've, you've had a lot of stuff about uh amazon the wonderful company that's responsible for all of the good things in our lives being brought to our doors directly and um you know everyone loves working there apparently so my first question for you ken ken you don't really believe that Amazon employees pee in bottles, do you? Well, I didn't believe that it was happening to the extent that it was. I mean, there had been reports previously. I wasn't the first person by any means to 
you know, report on that they were having to urinate in bottles. Um, but when I put out a call for tips, my phone quickly became unusable because so many people were texting and calling with these accounts. And what I found was that this is actually something so many of them do that there were people that said, I don't take a single drive out to deliver something where I'm not urinating in a bottle in order to meet my uh, quota. And Amazon has these really, really bruising quotas. Um, yeah, you, you're right here. Um, it, it, it goes quite beyond peeing in bottles. And I, I'll, I'll apologize to the listener. Uh, you, you right here. The practice these documents shown, show was known to management, which identified it as a recurring infraction, but did nothing to ease the pressure that caused it. In some cases, employees even defecated in bags. So, I mean, Amazon, they're, 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 they're distracting you with the peeing in bottles thing because they don't want you to know about the shitting in bags thing. Yeah, in one case, I got an email from an uh, area manager um, that was leaked to me that said, um, quote, this evening, an associate discovered human feces in an Amazon bag that was returned to station by a driver. This is the third occasion in the last two months when bags have been returned to station with poop inside. We understand that DAs, that's driver's associates, may have emergencies, um, but uh, it kind of goes on to say, you know, don't get caught doing this kind of thing. So this was like way more commonplace than I had realized coming into it. Uh, you also write here, while Amazon technically prohibits the practice, documents characterize it as a tier one infraction, which employees can say can lead to termination. Drivers said that this was disingenuous since they can't meet their quotas otherwise. They give us 30 minutes of paid breaks, but you will not finish your work if you take it, no matter how fast you are, one Amazon delivery employee based in Massachusetts told me. So it's Th- like... That's, uh, that, that's what people mean when they say tier one operator. <laughs> but it's this, it's this totally perverse system where... Like the, the management would have you believe, oh, like, you know, we have, we have plenty, we give you ample time to uh, defecate and urinate if need be. But if you use that time, there's no way that you can fulfill the, your quota for deliveries or like, you know, tasks to be performed of a day. Yeah, Amazon, they put out an apology this weekend, a kind of half apology. And uh, sort of the tenor of it was, you know, sometimes when people are out in rural areas, what can you do? There's nothing out there. And occasionally this will happen. That's absolutely not the case. I had so many people in urban areas describing to me just the amount of deliveries I had to make in a quota that, you know, there were plenty of bathrooms around. And technically, yeah, in theory, they could go and take a bathroom break, but then they're not going to meet their quota and they might get fired for that. So it's really misleading what they're saying. This comes, of course, like in the midst of this huge PR push by Amazon as it relates to this union drive that's going on in their in a Bessemer, Alabama-based fulfillment center. I mean, like, uh, what, what do you know about the state of that, of that union drive at that facility right now? Yeah, so I think what all this shows us is these crazy statements. The genesis of all this was um, Representative Mark Pocan calling on them to treat their workers with more dignity and mentioning the urinating in bottles thing, which, as I said before, you know, that had been reported. Um, and, you know, Amazon replies, you don't really believe that, do you? And that was kind of the start of all this. And then they started having these um, kind of, clapbacks to Senator Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, other elected officials. And what I'm told from people on both the corporate side, or particularly people on the corporate side, is that this is born of a lot of anxiety about that vote and that these kind of false steps, these uncharacteristic uh, face plants on the part of the comms department that is very well funded. And people in the comms department were telling me this too. There were some uh, dissonant figures there. Uh, saying that a lot of this is because they're terrified of that vote and and the fact that they think it is something that could succeed and that that's why they're having all these sort of crazy overreactions. I mean, like, I mean, from their perspective, though, what would that vote succeeding look like for them? I mean, that's the thing is, it's almost like foreign policy where it is just one fulfillment center. But the idea is the example that it sends to all the other ones. 
because, uh, you know, Bessemer, this is a place in the deep South that, you know, in recent history has been pretty hostile to organized labor. Um, the thought is not, I think they can deal with having one place be unionized, but the thought is, oh God, there are other union votes in other States too. So for example, people are trying to unionize in uh, Chicago, uh, of Amazon fulfillment center. And so the idea is that these other States in, in, uh, environments a lot more friendly to, or, you know, less unfriendly organized labor, they might start organizing too. So it's, it's the fear of a, it's the fear of a bad example from their perspective. And, and, you know, you, you brought it up, but what about for the, the employees themselves, like on the floor of this Bessemer facility, like what would, what would a, a being able to form a union mean to them? Like what, what, like in, probably a lot more than what it would be for some, you know, Jay Carney or whatever. Yeah, that was one of the most interesting parts of, um, you know, researching the story. I interviewed dozens of people. And in any story, you usually have a range of views. Uh, you know, some people are more angry. Others are maybe more conciliatory. But this one was almost uniform. And what was interesting is the language wasn't very overtly political uh, in the sense of, um, you know, people weren't really talking about Democrats or Republicans. It was kind of like, if we don't get this through, we literally are not going to be able to last at this job because the quotas keep getting worse and one thing that was described to me is under the coronavirus pandemic, um, deliveries became even harder because, you know, we don't have much of a government logistics system to, um, you know, deliver things that people need. So they're reliant on these private corporations. And so apparently they had to pick up a lot of the slack. Things got way worse and just they physically can't do it anymore. And so that to me, it's like, well, finally, we would have some kind of um, exhaust valve where we can express the fact that like we cannot keep like this is like it's just too bruising on your, you know, body and, and it's it, it just desperation. With, yeah. Matter. With union protection, mm-hmm. it would mean that they could physically do the job that they're hired to do. Right. Right. Um, you, you mentioned the way that they've been sort of, uh, clapping back at elected representatives. And it's just like, like I said, this is this, this very bizarre PR push. And like, this is being done by Amazon executives. We mentioned the other week, this guy, David Clark, um, who's like, you know, these are, these are not bots or like hired PR people. I mean, these are like high up people at the company that are taking it upon themselves to personally defend Amazon from uh, critics. And by critics, I mean, you know, their employees, but also uh, Bernie Sanders and uh, like elected politicians. Like what are some of the ways that they've been responding to Bernie in particular? Yeah, what's interesting about one of the internal documents that got leaked to me, um, it, it had a code name. It's code name Veritas. That's the name of their... Uh, program for how they are using the, and these are not bots. These are actually paid individuals uh, that they, you know, have go online and they all have the same. It's mandated from on top that they, uh, you know, have their Twitter profiles all look the same. And and there's, a, there's a really funny quote in here where they're like, if maybe if we add a picture of a, an emoji of a box, it could give them a little bit of personality, a little bit of flair. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the box factory on the Simpsons. Do any of these boxes have candy in them? No. Will they ever? No, we only make boxes to ship nails. Everyone loves boxes, don't they? <laughs> if we get some personality and flair to these accounts by putting a cardboard box in the name. I um I would not I would have tried to suppress that a lot that these are real people. <laughs> like I, I yeah. yeah, that would uh I was really hoping they were bots. This it's almost I, like I, a- this is like this is like the parlor thing where they're asking for like a liberal cuck to come over and get yelled at. And I wanted to do like the face <laughs> shit there and put like no less than $300,000 as a man of principle. I would write better posts for half a million dollars. Like they did a terrible job. This has to be just like that. Uh, the orb center where all the Saudi guys work, right? It's like, this is like a Saudi Israeli team trying to be like, I'm a regular American. Uh, I love seeing my two to five kids. And like, I just like, 
unions you get paid too much it's bad it kind of it reminds me it's like a philip dick novel it's almost worse that they're i mean the distinction breaks down if you can't tell the difference between android and real human being if the human beings have become so um much like automata and robotic that you can't differentiate between the two there's the there's no meaningful distinction anymore it's sort of horrifying in itself yeah i mean i want to talk about the the ambassadors though but like in particular though like uh like like bernie sanders um and like the, the the way they've been sniping at him to be like oh well you know uh, you've been you've been calling for a fifteen dollar minimum wage, but we actually pay a fifteen dollar minimum wage. Like that, like we're we're delivering on a, on like on, on creating a progressive workspace in the way that politicians only talk about doing. Yeah, one thing that that actually um, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way that reached out to me, particularly in the um, fulfillment centers, because they said that Amazon relies on such a large contractor workforce that a lot of them don't actually enjoy the formal you know benefits of Amazon since they're technically contractors. So the $15 thing in itself is pretty misleading because it's tons of people that they're contracting out to. Um, but speaking to that um, program in particular, what's interesting about this uh, codename Veritas thing um, was that it, what we're seeing happening now, and this, uh, this, this Veritas program was conceived of in 2018, reflects very closely with that document. I would encourage people to, to look at the document. Um, it reflects very closely what's happening now because it instructed the uh, this kind of posting paramilitary that Amazon had to go on there and do these kind of sassy clapbacks at like um bernie sanders in particular like they used bernie's name and his tweets as examples like i don't know maybe a dozen times in the in the documents and um one example that they had that i thought was pretty insane was um it had an individual bernie had posted a video interviewing someone who had worked at um one of the fulfillment centers and it says quote um bernie sanders interviewing seth king on prime day seth describes feeling so depressed working at amazon that he wanted to take his own life and so um, it then shows an ambassador kind of role-playing, saying, here's what I might say to respond. And he says, quote, Senator Sanders, this job has never made me feel bad personally. If you have a job that makes you feel bad, you could leave. And I was just thinking, wait, this is oh what they're God. instructing them to say. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, geez. Yeah, if, if your job makes you want to kill yourself, get a new job. It's pretty simple. Um, there are some other good ones that you found, like um, – in terms of, uh, they also take very personally the idea of like bringing up Jeff Bezos and his personal wealth, because you know, like, like that's the thing Sanders will talk about. Like, you know, you're worth more money than like has basically ever existed in human history is like in your checking account, basically. Um, so, like, what you know, what, 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 like, what, how would it hurt you to like have like decent working conditions for your employees? And you know, like, like the sort of program responses that they're counseling these brand ambassadors to uh, use is like. Uh, I think, you know, everyone is entitled to, like, all the money that they've earned and saved, they can spend it however they want, and it's no one else's business. Like, this idea that Jeff Bezos has personally earned all that fucking money. Yeah, exactly. And that's what the response is. I mean, there were, like, half a dozen response uh, examples given to people on how to um, how to clap back at people saying that uh, Bezos didn't earn his money. And it just speaks to, like, how tone deaf... Because, again, when I was talking to people at the fulfillment center level, the you know, frustration and discontent was uniform at the corporate level. Even the whistleblowers within there was a lot more, I don't know. It was a lot more complicated and maybe it was like, yeah, we don't really like, this is sort of embarrassing. You know, this is embarrassing the brand. It was, it was, it wasn't as clear the frustration, but it, it, it speaks to a culture that I think is really out of touch with reality on a fundamental level. Where do these, where do these like box emoji brand ambassadors come from? Because like, you know, as we talked about, like the disturbing idea is that these are not bots. These are not, algorithmically generated responses there are actual people who i mean like are these amazon employees like is there any indication that any of these people work 
actually in these fulfillment centers when they say things like, uh, it's great. We have four bathrooms. I can use them whenever I want. Yeah. So according to the documents, um, they were handpicked for their, quote, uh, great sense of humor. And oh, yeah. um, it, if you kind of read the subtext of how they're describing how they pick these folks, it seems like they're picking these. They want this kind of like sassy sort of like uh, wine mom tone kind of thing. I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, and they uh, it's kind of interesting because they describe a number of ways they conducted pi- a pilot study, which they kind of uh, tellingly say, you know, it might be best if we pick people that haven't been here for very long because they tend to be more enthusiastic. (laughs) (laughs) They still have a life within them somehow that we haven't, we haven't literally sucked it out of their fucking heads yet. (laughs) Exactly. So they describe a number of different uh, ways that they can kind of source these guys. And one of them was, it was almost like the military draft. This, This idea that they would have a rotation, everyone would have their rotation where they would go and do their tour of duty and then uh, the be there for a few months. posting campaign, yeah. I- exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, these are all real people. I couldn't find anything in the documents that suggested that anything was automated. I think these are real, all real employees. Oh, God, that's just so grim. Just the idea that you don't just have to work for a faceless corporate monster ruled over by a lizard man who's the richest person in history, but you have to, you have to not only like it, you have to tell other people how much you like it. I mean, I guess like when I'm thinking about this, like, you know, what is that? Is Amazon is what, like a, a, a trillion dollar company, Ken? Yeah, I think the estimates vary, but I mean, it seems like it's almost one and a half trillion at this point. Uh, Bezos himself passed the trillion point. So, you know, certainly a colossus. But OK, so like, you know, you're, you're talking about a, a corporation that dwarfs the GDP of like most nation states on the planet. And like, if you know, in thinking about this, like new model of like mega corporate, like almost like yeah nation states like like nations unto them unto themselves like what is the character of these states and the funny thing about it is that like you know the, these these hyper capitalist organizations in in becoming states or a sense like for all intents and purposes states um the characteristics that of of like states that they resemble are like caricatures of what these same people would describe like totalitarian communist countries as. Where like, yeah, like everybody has to praise leader. And, you know, like uh like work makes a work makes us strong. Like bathroom breaks are for are for traitors and betrayers. And like they has to take on this like this this happy attitude of like we you know we uh, we love being reeducated. It's good for us. Yeah, let me I want to read a couple uh example clapbacks that I think speak to this uh, I don't know, DPRK quality to all this. Cause that's what I was thinking too. Um, one of them says, shows someone saying, when is Amazon going to distance itself from Alex Jones is a hell of a thing to ask of a company happily and publicly grinding its low level employees to dust. And so then it shows a example response brushes dust off my shoulder. Looks like I'm still standing strong here at Amazon robotic FC. It's fulfillment. <laughs> and then another one. I like this one. Peeing in trash cans, constant surveillance, and asthma attacks on the job. Amazon workers tell us their warehouse horror stories. And then the response is, I work for Amazon and not sure about other facilities, but I've never felt pressure to pee in a trash can. And it goes on. As for the smell, Amazon does sell deer urine that hunters use. And then it has a little smile emoji. (laughs) (laughs) That's where it's coming from. (laughs) These are the example. This is the sense of humor that they want. Yeah, it's. Yeah, this is like. I mean, I guess it is a sense of humor. It's like guy making the one girl in the ventrilo server uncomfortable in 2003. <laughs> I'm, I can like you. You said you 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 talked to like you know like um like warehouse workers um in 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 these fulfillment centers, but you've also talked to 
uh, people in corporate management, like these sort of like you know n- n- anonymous sources as well. I mean, what what do you just in terms of like like in, uh, their their grievances about the company or the way they talk to you or their attitude about like labor issues? Do you see any interesting contrasts in in, the, in these two groups of people who are reaching out to you for these stories? Yeah, as one would expect, um, the the corporate side is more you know PMC. They uh, I think they're sympathetic to the unions in a way that I don't think I would have seen a few years ago talking to the same types of people, I think. So the, the, uh, the, the sympathy is more, um, you know, variegated and it's a little bit more complicated, but they, what's funny is literally every one of those at the corporate level I talked to, while the critiques varied, they all thought that the ambassador program was insane and none of them, every one of them thought that these replies to Sanders and Warren and the other elected officials, they thought that was crazy. Um, actually to put out those statements, my understanding, based on a bunch of talks with people on the corporate side and even in the comms department, was that they actually bypassed it. Um, they didn't get sign-off like they normally do. They have a protocol where they have to have you know comms people sign off on these sort of statements. And um, as I said before, uh, Veritas says that they should do these clapbacks at elected officials. So um, my understanding is this is coming from someone very high up in the senior executives uh, that just sort of ran this through. According to Vox, uh, it's Jeff Bezos himself. Um, well, I, I couldn't I couldn't get insight into who it was specifically. That's certainly, you know, consistent with the level of seniority of the person that, that, you know, I was being told that it was that pushed this stuff through. Well, I mean, you mentioned at the beginning of this interview, um, well, as soon as you put out a call for like uh, uh, tips or like, you know, anyone who wants to talk to you about, about what's going on in these facilities, I mean, your phone became unusable. So, I mean, what do you think that tells you about like the, uh, the the gap between what's being sold about how, how happy everyone is to be an employee of Amazon and the reality? Oh, it's enormous. And it's funny because, I mean, they call it Veritas because it's kind of like we're telling the truth from people inside that actually it's, do it, the it, job. It's, it's, it's tribute to um, James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they, it, it's funny because, so you, you were comparing it to a nation state before. The thing it reminded me of most, and I do a lot of national security reporting, it reminded me of the intelligence community because not only did they have these code names for these different programs, they even compartmented them. And so I would talk to other people that were fairly high up in the company. They'd be like, um, you know, curious about what I was telling them. And they're like, what can you find out about Veritas? And I was just thinking, this guy is like pretty high up. How does he not know about this program? And it quickly became clear that they had compartmented it so that only certain people know only certain things. It reminded me very much of covering the FBI or the Defense Department or something like that. And of course, they do a lot of contracting for those same sorts of groups. So I wouldn't be surprised if they learned some things in terms of tradecraft. So for the uh, for the for the for the fulfillment center like workers like the people packing boxes the people who you know we've heard stories about um, having to step over a dead body of a form of a coworker because you know if they had, if they noticed like a, a a dying or dead human being that that would um, perhaps be a tier one infraction. Do you get a sense like what 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 do these what are their demands as like the public at large? You know because obviously like Amazon has grown even more into even more of a leviathan under covid as people do more of their shopping online and using amazon is like you know what is this kind of like this gigantic national and global infrastructure for the delivery of goods and services that you know people do need for the people working in these fulfillment centers who are like you know it's it's their lives it's their souls it's their you know bodies that are being like thrown into this effort to get you uh, the shit that you want in a day uh, what do they want? Like, do you have a sense of like the, what they want from the public at large in terms of their attitude towards Amazon and their or their use of Amazon as like a convenience? Yeah, one of the most horrifying things about researching this was hearing again and again from them. Wait, the public is surprised by this? This is so much a part of my everyday life, having to do these dehumanizing things. I mean, 
there are multiple stories. You can go and look them up. It's been reported multiple times, drivers running out of their cars and shitting in someone's lawn because they just couldn't hold it in anymore and it getting caught on like a, you know, house surveillance system or something. So they were like, I didn't, they were kind of surprised that people didn't realize how bad it was. And um, then angry that the company was lying about it because they thought that this was taken for granted because it's so much a part of their everyday life Um, to, you know, speak to what they'd like. I mean, a lot of them seemed open to union stuff, but they also seemed so just worn down by the day-to-day work. They didn't really have much time to think about how to, um, you know, what, what they would like in terms of response. Obviously they would just like it to stop and be able to continue doing the job in a dignified way. And, you know, when I asked about union stuff, they seemed open to it and, supportive but it just didn't they seemed so busy and overwhelmed that it may not have even been at the front of their minds but i mean like specifically like i've seen over, over the past couple months or whatever these sort of um wildcat demands for like a like a boycott of amazon by consumers that are not necessarily you know endorsed by or uh or, you know sought after by like these union organizers like i mean what what do you say to like any like that that sort of um, any contradiction between those two things? I think that the attitude they have is like anything, all of the above, let's do it. <laughs> like they don't, there's not the kind of hesitancy that you see at the um, corporate or even mid-level management level of being like, Oh, I don't know about this. They're more just like anything. Let's try something right now. Cause we need something desperately. I mean, I guess like, just like zooming out a bit, like, I mean, like obviously the stuff about um, urinating in bottles and shitting in bags is like, you know, it, it's, it's terrifying, but it's also kind of funny because, you know, like, you know, what's funnier than like internal corporate documents, you know, dictating their policy on like shitting in bags or not. But like on a, on a, on a more frightening and kind of like existential level, I mean, isn't this kind of a story about like uh, capitalism, you know, pushing past the limits of like what the human body can endure? Because I mean, like we, you know, the, you need human beings to perform these tasks, but like our, our bodies, our, our very nature is, is sort of bounded by these, like you know, the, the physical processes and and, and that, that, that limit like sleep and you know defecation and the need to eat food and water, um, that like that, that limit our ability to like keep feeding this giant machine and like it, it's just like you think like like Amazon as a thing just sort of is, is becoming to represent this kind of technological leviathan that is pushing past human life and and the and, like limits of what a human being can endure. Yeah, going back to the Philip Dick theme, um, you know, these jobs haven't been automated, but what does that mean if the jobs essentially force you to become a robot and and deny your, you know, basic human needs? I mean, that's this is clearly the blueprint for, you know, what uh international corporate power wants uh, going forward. And you know, I mean, and some of the footage that exists in these Amazon facilities, I mean, these these workers are working basically side by side with robots already. Exactly. And they use that as a cudgel where it's like, oh, you don't want to do this. You have, you know, you think you should have some dignity. Well, we might replace you with these machines. I mean, this debate about are machines more efficient? It's always aside the point. It doesn't matter if they're more efficient. They just use it to crush labor. Like they, I'm sure they don't care if it costs more money as long as in the long run they're able to, you know, terrify labor into doing what they want. Are tips still coming in for you about this Amazon story? Like, do you think that this is uh, not going away anytime soon? Yeah, I think that it is becoming... I, it, it was. It's become a useful way to like um, get people to look at labor stuff because while Amazon is obviously, as you said, this leviathan, um, there are countless other companies. In their apology, they said all these other companies do this too <laughs> to try to say it's okay <laughs> that we're dehumanizing people like this. It's like it's like well, that's not good though. <laughs> so hopefully, this gets people to think about. And you know, I was one of them. I didn't realize how bad it was. Um, I didn't realize there were tons of people doing this on a daily basis. So um, 
hopefully this becomes a sort of um, blueprint for people to talk about the labor struggle um, going forward because um, it's not just Amazon. I mean, they set the frame for, you know, all these other smaller firms. I mean, and they're seeking to replace all of those, all, I mean, like all those other small firms. I mean, like, I mean, they, like, isn't Amazon's sort of model is that they want to be everything? Yeah, I think any reasonable person that looks at it sees that this is a, I mean, it's not just a monopoly. It's sort of like a super monopoly. I mean, has anything else in history been able to coordinate not just the production side, but even the logistics of delivery and as well? I don't think that's with precedent. So like, you know, as this, 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 yeah, this corporate Leviathan, this, this, this trillion dollar nation state um, continues to grow. I mean, like it, it just, um, it, it, it's funny though. I mean, like as, as powerful as they are, I mean, like what your story shows is that like, in spite of all of that, like this is the best attempt that they've been able to muster to cover their own asses. I mean, like I, I mentioned this last time we talked about it. I mean, like on the one hand, that's encouraging, but on the other hand, it's also kind of terrifying because it shows that they don't really care or have to care about like how the, how they are perceived by the public. I thought it was encouraging. I don't think it's that they don't care. I my impression, especially from talking to the corporate guys, is that they're extremely worried about it. And um, the extent to which this has been an incompetent response is not because they didn't put in a lot of thought. It's because they are profoundly out of touch with reality. They're sitting around with other people that are just, you know, kind of like the um, we're going to go to brunch type people. And they're so removed from what any ordinary person thinks that it's you see this again in foreign policy a lot where, um, you know, heads of state will do these deeply irrational things. You're like, how does that work? But then once you start interviewing people, you realize, oh, these guys are surrounded by a cadre of yes men that just nods at any idea they have. And that explains how you get to the point that they have these crazy um, replies that, you know, drive an entire news cycle. So, um, you know, they have virtually infinite resources, but it's kind of like um, an aircraft carrier. It's huge, but it turns very slowly. And and so I think they do have um, some structural weaknesses that come with just being ultra wealthy and out of touch. It does and- make you wonder how, uh, yeah, what, what, what the implications of that are, because yes, they, they feel the need to respond to this stuff, but they also have no frame of reference for human interaction, uh, human relatability to be able to, to communicate. Uh, but at the same time, there's hard to, it's hard to imagine there being consequence for that uh, lack of understanding. Like the very fact that they are so removed is, is sort of, generated by their unac- the lack of accountability that they have in their in their life because it is the, it's the giant it's the what are you gonna do it's amazon what are you gonna do what are you gonna oh you know oh they're peeing in bottles do you want a fucking uh, box do you want uh n- nose hair trimmers in 24 hours or not this is the deal you, you we have made and i think they they probably back to the wall would uh fall back on just the knowledge that that we're essentially unable to imagine life without them at this point okay uh, finally i mean uh, the one the one last like thread to this amazon story that i find fascinating is like how does it reflect on the uh obama years as the like you know height of progressivism in america that his press secretary went on to be amazon's press secretary like jay carney the guy who loves guided by voices and um slandering uh, the employees of his own company who would prefer not to die on the job i think it Heightens a lot of contradictions about the Obama administration that people had. If you don't examine it too closely, you think, oh, yeah, it's kind of, you know, progressive. He's probably pro-labor. And you look at it really closely, like, really? No, he's not. He was a very pro-business, pro-markets type guy um, to such an extent that I think you could distinguish him from a lot of other sort of center uh, Democrats. Um, that being said, 
Jake Canardi has not changed. He's the same person he always was. People are starting to notice it now because of these sorts of um, conflicts. Uh, and, you know, I know a lot of people in Democrat world, and uh, they're kind of saying, like, uh, this is embarrassing. Carney's kind of blowing our thing up because we got to, you know, eat out for free on this idea that, oh, they're sort of progressive, whatever that means. Uh, yeah, I guess that probably means they're pro-labor. And now you've got him out there talking about these things and making it very clear. It's like, no, they're not, they're not you know, maybe they play, pay lip service to some kind of, you know, liberal ideas, but uh, in any meaningful sense, they're anti-labor. And so, again, same guy, but it, people are starting to notice it, it seems like. You know who they could use? Uh, Jim Messina. What's he doing these days? They could get him. Get if him they to hire this Jim Messina, deal. like the entire country is unionizing. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go to like record. Finnish levels of uh, of labor penetration if he's put in charge. Yeah, you will. The moment you're conceived, you're in a union. If he starts working for Amazon, <laughs> the thing, the funny thing about him, um, his his replies are just as ridiculous as all the other Amazon replies. But he begins it with. With all due respect, Senator. And isn't that the most... I'm just thinking of The Sopranos. With all due respect. Like, no right. difference other than that other than that one little thing. Yeah, he's more polite. That's what yeah. you get. That's the Obama difference. Yeah, exactly. That's the Democrat, yeah. that's the Democrat advantage, is that they say please and thank you before they uh, make you uh, empty your bladder into a, a Coke can at gunpoint. All right, Ken Klippenstein of The Intercept, I would like to uh, thank you very much for uh, joining us and for all your uh, reporting on this. Yes. Good talking to you guys. Cheers, Ken. Uh, thank you, Ken. All right, nice seeing you guys. Take care. Nice Bye. to see you, Ken. Bye. Bye. Bye.